It is the 200 level, my carpenter in the basement studio on a Wednesday afternoon. We're going to keep this podcast relatively short. For one, there's not a lot of fun stuff to talk about, let's be honest. And we don't want to be masochist for pain. We don't need to subject ourselves to the ills of Illinois football any more than absolutely necessary. And B, or is it two, whichever one I said, I'm going on a trip, man. I'm getting out of here. Going to Las Vegas, U2 in the Sphere on Saturday, Grand Canyon Sunday. We're getting away. It's fall break, and it will be about a week before I come back for a podcast. Now, it is not the most exciting of matchups coming up on Saturday against Maryland. I think going into the season, even when I thought things would be much better than this, Maryland was a game I circled as, nah, not going to happen. And as I sit here today on October 11th, it is now circled as a, yeah, how bad is this going to get? To the point where while I'm in Vegas, the fact that I can bet on Illinois, or I should say bet against them, will be taken full advantage of. The spread might have moved up to 14.5, maybe 15. It started at 12.5, which seemed very low, given how good Maryland's look. And I know that Maryland kind of stumbled late against Ohio State. But they're a very talented team that will probably win eight, nine games this year. And it just seems like the speed and athleticism they have is going to be hard to counter for this Illinois team that had a hard time against a slow Nebraska team. This week, though, isn't so much about Illinois-Maryland, unless Illinois pulls off an upset. And I know that a few people, including Jeremy and Joey on their podcast and just kind of perusing the message boards and seeing what Illini fans are saying, they're finding similarities between this week and Penn State back in 2021. And I do distinctly remember that weekend which was also parent-teacher conference weekend back in October of 2021. I got parent-teacher conferences the next two days here. And I met with Mike Bellamy because I had a son in my class, and we chatted for the last five minutes of the conference about Brett Bielema coming out and chastising the roster construction, specifically the offensive line and the lack of depth, under Lovey Smith, and how that had been a very controversial thing to say. And I asked Mike as someone that's been a coach himself for a long time and knew the ins and outs of a a D1 college football locker room, what kind of effect is that going to have? And he was unsure and probably a little more skeptical that it would have a negative effect, but he said, but who knows? You know, maybe it's some something that'll galvanize them. And sure enough, that's what it did. I don't know if that quote necessarily is what galvanized the team, but something worked, something clicked from that Penn State game to the end of the year where all of a sudden Illinois was competitive under Brett Bielema and they won three of their last five against some pretty solid opponents. So if you want to make that parallel, go ahead. I mean, listen, we're, we're, we're scrounging for anything here to feel any sort of excitement or optimism. We're, we're scrounging and it's okay to scrounge. When you're in a position like Illinois is two and four and having looked god awful doing it. I don't see it though. Now, did I see it back in 2021? A week and a half after two weeks after you had gotten smoked at home by Wisconsin on homecoming, 28 to 7, and you looked just absolutely terrible. I mean, that that was not competitive in any way, shape, or form. No, I didn't see it then either. So hindsight's 2020. Of course, the 2021 upset at Penn State makes a little bit more sense now, knowing all the professional talent that you had, especially defensively. In 2023, at the moment, beating Maryland doesn't make any sense. 
But no, Maryland is not a top 10 team like Penn State was back in 2021. And Maryland is by no means a perfect team. They just seem like a terrible matchup. But we could wipe all of that away and just focus on what Illinois has done, or more to the point, has not done, which is put together a full, complete game or looked anything close to resembling a good team. This is the absolutely uh, most frustrating part of the season. Schedule aside, I don't know if it matters too much who you've played. We've looked bad in almost every game at some point. Even the two wins you have had extended, prolonged stretches of not very good football from this Illinois team. So whether or not Maryland's a top 10 team or ended up getting outscored 21-0 in the second half against Ohio State, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. When you lose to the likes of Nebraska at home by two scores, none of that matters. All that matters is this team. That's it. And the conversation inevitably goes from this team and then to the long-term concerns. And it was really troubling to hear Jay Lehman and Jeremy on Monday talk about this. And for Jay Lehman to use the word devastating, that this 2-4 and four start is devastating to the long-term potential of Brett Bielema. And I'm paraphrasing, but he was referring to the macro here. That's alarming. Jay is not a cheerleader any more than he has to be, but he is an alum. He's a former player, and I, I think he has a bit of a relationship with Brett Bielema, so he's not going to <clears throat> be as reactive as, let's say, I am after a game, because I, I'm, I don't need to be held to account to any of the coaching staff or anything like that, and I don't have the direct ties to the football program. So I can come on here and be as pissed off as I want. Jay sounded genuinely concerned. And I think we all are. If we really stop and think about what are the ramifications of this and how do you get out of it, more importantly, what's the solution? And when the coaching staff has lost a lot of credibility that they built up over the first two years and when whenever they talk, you just don't really buy into what they're saying, that's a steep hill to climb. Think about this on Monday. They have the press conferences, and it's normal. It's like just trot out the coordinators as if nothing happened, and Brett Bielema speaks. Okay, well, Carp, what would you do differently, one could ask. I did not necessarily expect Barry Lunny to get fired. I don't necessarily need someone to get fired. But I would have thought there would have been something, even if it's just symbolic, to indicate that Brett Bielema was pissed. Because on Friday, he was so pissed he's actually hitting the podium at the press conference. And then Monday, eh, just a normal Monday press conference. The most troubling part of it, outside of just the relative normalcy of it, is if, eh, yeah, we're two and four, no big deal, was the fact that both coordinators used the terms either razor thin or a fine line, razor thin margin or a fine line between success and failure. I'm fairly certain that the razor-thin comment was from Aaron Henry and the fine-line comment between success and failure was Barry Lunny. The problem is, when I hear that from your two coordinators for a 2-4 and four football team, neither of whom's unit has looked particularly good, now I start worrying about a lack of accountability. I start worrying that they really aren't in DEFCON 1, that they really aren't that freaked out about their performance, and that they might actually think that this is a razor-thin line 
between what they've been doing and an actually successful year. When in actuality, that's not true. These games against Power 5 teams have not been close. And just as last year, we could realistically play the exercise of you were closer to 10-2 and two than you were 6-6, six and six, and we were being completely honest about that. This year, it's the complete opposite. You're closer to 1-5 and five or 0-6 oh than you are 4-2. and two. So where does that leave you? Certainly not a fine line between success and failure. Now, when things aren't going good, we parse through these words at press conferences, and we maybe make a mountain out of a molehill, and God knows I've been guilty of that. But this actually, to me, seems to be indicative of a lack of accountability over there. And if that's what it is, and these guys actually think that they're right there, then we've got major problems beyond just this season. We have a broken, toxic thing going on if the coaching staff isn't pooping their pants, metaphorically speaking. Not the most eloquent metaphor I could have used, but they should be nervous for their jobs. They should be. You're entering an 18-team Big Ten conference with tough schedules, with no momentum. So unless they're just putting on a happy face and they actually are fearful fearful for their jobs, <laughs> feeling like they're being held to account like Big Ten coordinators should be, what they said made no sense. So it's both delusional, it's a lack of accountability, it's some mix of those things, and all the bluster that Brett had on Friday seemed to have evaporated on Monday. Now that happens sometimes. You cool down, cooler heads prevail, that's okay. But the fact is, you still woke up on Monday just like you did after the game on Friday. You woke up Monday with a 2-4 and football team that's been terrible. So I would have liked to have seen a little bit more pep in their step, a little more fire from your head guy. And instead, it was just, yeah, yeah, okay, we're playing Maryland, and we got to tweak this, we got to tweak that. We we looked at everything. You know, we looked at everything on the table. Question to you as the the listener, do you really think anything's going to look that different on Saturday? Just eye test-wise, do you think you're going to watch the offense and say, yeah, they might not be scoring a lot of points, but at least they're making a concerted effort to do this differently? Do you really think that's going to happen? I don't. I have very little faith in that. Defensively, they're fine, but the way that Nebraska was able to gas you on some plays, do you really think that they're going to put forth some great effort and keep Maryland around 21 points or something and give you a fighting chance? I, I don't. So what we are really now facing this year and unfortunately potentially beyond is, is a total loss of credibility. I mean, the momentum was one thing. And sometimes you can lose momentum like you did at the end of last season, but still feel confident in your coaching staff saying, okay, well, there was some bad luck involved. There were competitive games. The problem is now the momentum is lost and the credibility is being lost as well. And when you are absent both of those things, what are you left with as a fan base? And then for them as coaches, what are they left with to sell as they try to go to the portal and actually bring in guys next year that can help you not suck? It's been a frustrating season, that is for sure. Nothing that I would have predicted, of course, but really, in fairness, nothing anyone would have predicted to this degree. Even those that would have said, fairly, that all the attrition of professional football players that were on your defense, that's going to hurt. The loss of Ryan Walters, that's going to hurt. Even those people would have said, 
yeah, five and seven, six and six, but probably would not have predicted a two and four start where they look this bad. I, I don't think anybody that watched this team or has watched Brett Bielema's teams over the years would have anticipated this sort of complete incompetence that flies in the face of everything you brought the guy in for. So this podcast, that's about the only football I'm going to talk about, shorter podcast that it may be. Because what's there to talk about until they actually give us more to talk about? And if I were to have picked a good weekend to get out of Dodge and not have a post-game or second-half podcast, it's probably the game at Maryland when we're all down on it anyways, and the chances of you winning are not very high. Now, I will let you know before I get to the sponsors. We are going to do another live podcast at... Poor Brothers, downtown Champaign, and we will do this on Friday, October 20th, the day before the Illinois-Wisconsin game. Isaac will be with me. We'll do an hour from 6 to 7. We'll talk a little bit of Illinois football, but basketball is right around the corner. So we will probably do half and half on that and have fun with it. Listen, many a radio show I did back in the day with Lon and Jeremy when Illinois just stunk at football, and we still had fun with it. So if you're in town for homecoming weekend and want to get it started with some beers and some Illini talk, Isaac and I will be at Poor Brothers Craft Tap Room in downtown Champaign Friday, October 20th from 6 to 7. All right, real quick, DPDO online at dpdo.com for all the best deals and prices. dpdo.com, they deliver anywhere in Champaign Urbana. So go online to dpdo.com, order a custom zone with any topping you want, or one of their favorites like the Maui Wowie or the Buffer Zone, online at dpdo.com. Also, Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, and you might have felt it this week. Some cool nights. I've noticed I've woken up and had to bring the comforter over my shoulders and reminded, wait, oh, we actually need to kind of get the furnace kicking back up. Well, the furnace did kick back up on Tuesday night. And, oh, we were nice and toasty. It was one of the best night's sleeps I've had in a long time. That's one thing I like about fall. But it's not as much fun if you are freezing cold. Dogtown's been great for us. We can't recommend them enough. They've been our furnace and AC people for the last couple years. So give them a call at 217-841-4728 for Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend. State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it, Brian is my guy, and he can be your guy as well. So one thing that we added for this old home that we have is an app called Ting, and you plug this little outlet into your wall, and it monitors your home electrical system. Most house fires, they basically stem from faulty wiring or a surge or things like that that can actually be prevented as long as you got someone watching it. And that's what this app is great for. And it's free through State Farm. So go online to brianismyguy.com to get in contact with Brian Hansen, State Farm agent, for all your insurance needs. That's brianismyguy.com. Owen Builders LLC. I'm on at owenbuildersllc.com for home additions, kitchen, bathroom, patio, decks, all that kind of stuff, indoor, outdoor. They're very versatile at what they do, and you can check out their gallery online at owenbuildersllc.com. And I've been saying this when I do their read, but it is the truth. You know, with contractors, sometimes the communication is the trickiest thing. Not with Owen Builders. They are absolutely trustworthy in that department. Luke is uh, the, kind of runs the show over there and does such a good job with it. And if you can actually have good communication with a contractor, I feel like that's half the battle. You don't need to worry about that with them, plus the craftsmanship is second to none. That is owenbuildersllc.com. Uh, Champagne Showers Podcast Network, and if you could, rate and review us on Apple Podcast. All right, I'm going to get some quick water here. 
Here we go. <clears throat> I talked about bas- football, excuse me, and a lack of accountability and how troubling that is. And this whole season has done something for my overall view of Brad Underwood, someone that I've become a little bit fatigued by for all the things that feel good about Brad Underwood when you're winning. I feel like they can rather quickly become a bit aggravating when you aren't. And as we all know, last year was, wow, it it felt like three seasons. And the -the off-the-court drama, the seeming lack of control of things, really left a sour taste in a lot of Illini fans' mouths. And certainly with me. Here I am throughout the spring thinking, why can't he just run a a program like Brett Bielema? Well, now I got a little bit of egg on my face. And... (laughs) I mean, I still like Brett Bielema, but here's the thing. Brad Underwood came into a very bad situation, and he made this into a good basketball program again. And you could argue very good. So I do want to enter this season by kind of reframing it. And maybe football's kind of helped me do that. While it is all relative, it is still objectively true to say that Brad Underwood has done a pretty good job as the Illinois basketball coach. They make tournaments. They do. Now, the question this year is going to be a more macro question for Illini fans in terms of what are you okay with from Illinois basketball? What would make you happy? And I've been kind of thinking about that myself, too. I mean, I said before Brad Underwood, and really during the John Gross era, I just want to make tournaments. And I I do hold to that. I think that last year, if you just take the win-loss record, that's something you can live with. It was all the circus around it that became very fatiguing. If I'm just looking at a media guide and I see that Lou Henson had a 20 and 13 season, but he made the tournament, I'm not going to immediately say, well, that season was awful. But when you live through the attrition of highly touted recruits and you got a doofus like Matthew Meyer on your team, just being annoying every single opportunity that he gets, it's just, it's a lot. And then you end the season with three straight losses and not looking really good in either of them. So what are my expectations or what would I be happy with? I'm going to keep that mantra to try to stay level-headed throughout this year, which is <clears throat> if you're making tournaments, I'm overall a pretty happy Illini fan. This team should make the tournament this year. It is a tough schedule, and what we'll do is save the kind of schedule breakdown for the next week or two when we're really in the dredges of Illinois football, or especially when we get to the bye week after Wisconsin and we're sitting with the two and six football team and just absolutely done with them. But we'll do the game by game, dare to dream kind of thing with Illinois basketball. And it is a tough schedule. It's one that worst case scenario, you could find yourself on the bubble. You could, because there are glaring issues on this roster that will remain glaring issues unless they are, you know, just immediately apparent in the first few games that, oh, guess what? Point guard's not an issue and shooting's not an issue. That's it. That's Those are the two things we're going to talk about before, and unfortunately, I'm afraid, most of the season. You don't have a good point guard situation, and you can't shoot the three consistently. And that's just going to handicap you. No matter how good Terrence Shannon is and the jack-of-all-trades that Coleman Hawkins is, that is just going to handicap you big time. So, what am I happy with? What are you happy with? If I just said to you right now that Illinois is making the tournament this year, but I can't guarantee you any more success than that, like maybe it's another one and done, are you okay with the Brad Underwood experience? We've talked many times before that the Loyola loss has really cast 
it's not a spell, but it just put a damper, let's say, on the Brad Underwood experience in, in a way that you could kind of feel that Sunday while you were watching it. I worried so much about, oh my God, we blew our chance and and what does this ultimately mean for Brad Underwood and Illinois basketball? And then the next month and a half, in March and April of 2021, when you lose Adam Miller and you lose your top assistant coaches and you're thinking Kofi's going to go and it just seems like the dream is over, it's all dead. And and that right there, that offseason for Brad Underwood was pretty remarkable. That offseason and... The coaching job he did to lead that team to a Big Ten championship, I thought was, on the whole, incredibly impressive. To the point where losing to Houston in that tournament wasn't that big of a deal because you you kind of felt that team's ceiling throughout the season. But now that we are, what is it, seven years into it? We're, we're the seventh year with Brad Underwood. That's, that's pretty impressive. And... I, I can't really get a, a pulse on what the overall fan vibe is about this. We're inevitably excited because football has already lost our attention. <laughs> you know, like we can usually parlay this into a second or third week of October thing before football completely craps the bed. But no, they decided to do that in the month of September alone. So we make that pivot as we so often do to Illinois basketball, but is it more just the excitement that, thank God, we'll be able to watch basketball and they won't suck? Or is it genuine excitement that this team, best case scenario, can be pretty good? Well, let's talk about a best case scenario. I mean, Terrence Shannon Jr. is a very good player. And if he were to come into this season and be the best Terrence Shannon that he can be, game in, game out, <clears throat> that immediately raises your ceiling considerably. He had about a month let's say mid-January through early February, where I didn't really know what he was bringing you. Sometimes he would light up the scoreboard for 15 points, but just as quickly he would be giving up easy baskets on the defensive end. Don't let some of those numbers fool you that Terrence Shannon was across the board amazing last year. There were periodic issues for that were a bit troubling for someone that, that, that is that old. He doesn't sometimes seem to have the killer instinct thing that you really want from your top dog. And while Coleman Hawkins does have that to an extent, he's not talented enough offensively to be the guy that's just going to go get you a bucket when you need it. So they are your two top players, and they're two very good players. But when you look at a lot of the other teams that are, whether they're called elite or just very, very good and have a, a possibility of making a deep tournament run, usually the common denominator is they have a lead guard or point guard that is the guy. And we could call Terrence Shannon a lead guard, but he really is somewhat of a two-slash-three combo that because of his size, the versatility is great, but he's also not great at handling the ball. So, yeah, you got two really awesome players. You got a good pieces and a Dane Danger that you hope takes a step. And we'll see if a Ty Rogers can be a point-forward, Scottie Pippen-esque kind of player for you despite the inability to shoot. And then you got Sincere Harris as a really great defensive stopper. And then you move on down the line here to other pieces like Quincy Guerrier or Damask, who are really good veterans. I guess Justin Harmon, he got some good tick over in Europe. And then, you know, they're already talking about Nic- Niccolo Moretti and Dre Gibbs Lawhorn at point guard. But, but this right here is indicative of why Underwood can drive me nuts. 
he said at the Big Ten Media Day, everyone else is a lot more worried about point guard than I am. We got Ty, we got Nicolo, we got Dre Gibbs Lawhorn. I think we'll be, essentially I'm paraphrasing here, he says, I think we'll be fine. And actually, this is big, important enough where I want to make sure I actually get this right verbatim. Because I, I read this and I thought, oh God, it's just, uh, where is this here? I want to make sure I get this right. Sorry for the delay here as I get the picture taken back up. Oh boy. Yes, here we go. Um, Underwood said at Big Ten Media Days on the point guard situation, this is from Derek Piper, it's good. Everyone seems to be worried about it except me. I should have played Ty Rogers there more last year. Nico Moretti was terrific on our foreign trip in Spain. Dre Gibbs Lawhorn played there a lot in Spain. So he says the point guard situation is good. Okay. <sighs> Do you believe him? See, I want to trust. I want the coaches to have credibility. But your biggest priority of the offseason was either keeping your veterans, and they did that, or bringing in a point guard. And to really make a jump, you kind of had to do both. Well, they kept the veterans that immensely raise your floor. Immensely. But in order to truly raise your ceiling, you had to get a point guard, and they didn't. I would love to have egg on my face, and eat crow, or whatever other term you want to use, and see a Ty Rogers, who I love watching Ty Rogers, take a big step and become this surprise impact player at point guard or Dre Gibbs Lawhorn just be that sneaky good freshman that if he were at Purdue let's say which is where he originally committed he just drives you nuts from year one because he's just a hard-nosed point guard that just makes plays and that could be the case I hope to God it is because if it is that does change the calculus for this team and how successful they can be because everything else you feel pretty good about as far as your positions on the court but the point guard, the most important position, is not just a question mark. It is a gigantic question mark. And the entire ceiling of this team hinges upon that. That and three-point shooting. Now, Damask was not in Europe. I know that. But I think the team shot under 25%. And they, they were launching them up in Europe. They were doing that again. And they shot 25% or under. And I know that Underwood, sometime this offseason... I mean, I know the, the press conference... Just on Tuesday, or whenever media's, Media Days was, he said the same thing. I'm not worried about it. We're a good shooting team. Pretty sure he's called Coleman Hawkins an elite shooter. Coleman Hawkins himself said that the NBA scouts told me I got to shoot more this year, so I basically plan on doing it. That's all fine if they make them. At a 35% clip. Not asking for the moon here. But it can't be under 30. If it is around 35%, you got a hell of a team you really do have this unique set of size and strength and athleticism we know that I mean that that is exciting because I do think that overall this team will be a heck of a lot less frustrating than last year's I think they'll be d downright likable even if they are really lacking the point guard or three-point shooting department. I think there is a, a likability because there is probably some more grit within this team than what we had last year, to use a very cliche term, I know. But while they will not probably frustrate us in the intangible ways, at the end of the day, you get frustrated if you don't win as many games as you'd like to. And if they are handicapped because of the point guard and three-point shooting, then it's just going to feel hopelessly, ugh, 
We could have seen that coming a year ago, and it wasn't addressed in the portal like it could have been. Overall, I liked a lot of the roster construction that Underwood did, but it was still contingent on getting a point guard. They went all in on Ray J. Dennis. They swung and they missed a Ray J. Dennis on this team, and I think he can win a Big Ten title, but you don't have him. So they are predicted to finish, projected, no, 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 what is it? Yeah, projected to finish fourth, according to Big Ten writers, and I can see that. That's pretty good. I mean... Listen, you aren't firing Brad Underwood if he goes fourth in the Big Ten. You, you just simply aren't. And that goes back to my over, overriding question for myself and Illini fans this year. What are you okay with from Illinois basketball? What are you okay with from the Brad Underwood experience? And if it is making tournaments and competing for Big Ten titles, I think he will do that. But of course, there is the albatross on the shoulders right now of not winning in March. I still think that if you get enough cracks at it, enough bites at the apple, you will eventually break through. And maybe this year, out of nowhere almost, this team will be the one to make that second weekend or make a deep run where we aren't questioning that anymore. And you know what that would do? That would loosen everything up. I mean, we are a tight bunch of fans. My wife has noted that when we go to the Illinois-Michigan State game. She's like, there's a tightness in here. I'm like, yeah. You know, we're the... We're the winningest program without a national title. We are tight. We're wound tight. And we got a Murphy's Law thing in the back of our heads that, you know, just when things get really good, something bad is going to happen. But if you think about it, Underwood has been remarkably consistent. I was worried that last year was the beginning of a decline. I think this team can keep that from happening. I do have concerns going forward after Terrence Shannon and Coleman Hawkins are gone. In what direction are you really taking this program? And, I mean, Merez Johnson is going to be a lot of fun. I haven't even mentioned Amani Hansbury this year, and I'm excited to see him play. And again, a big bruiser, a good basketball player that I think will make an impact right away. But what is the long-term play here? And that's a question that we're going to have to ask ourselves, and, and Josh Whitman's going to have to ask himself as well, because... There's nothing that Underwood's done to suggest that he shouldn't be the coach. But in a name-image-likeness era, when you got all the money behind Illinois basketball that you do, you are in a different position than you were pre-NIL, where you can make a call that if this guy's not going to be able to take us to the next level, or if we feel like we have stalled under Brad Underwood, then Josh Whitman might actually start asking questions. But I tell you what. When football is playing like they are, it's amazing how that can feed into everything else. With football as bad as they are, that's not a chance that Josh Whitman's going to take this year or probably next year. He's got bigger fish to fry across Kirby Avenue. All right. Like I said, short podcast. We've got a busy few days before we go to Vegas here. we got parent-teacher conferences. we got tying all the loose ends at home and everything. And I will be talking to you all in a week next Wednesday. And then next Friday as well, when Isaac and I get to Poor Brothers in downtown Champaign. And again, if you're in town for that homecoming weekend, get your weekend started, get some beers, great selection. You can get mixed drinks at Poor Brothers too. Don't do not, if you're a beer guy and I'm not a beer guy, but you're a whiskey guy, for example, they got such a great selection of liquor and great bartenders as well. So we'll be there on Friday, October 20th from six to seven. All right. So it'll be a week. But just a quick reminder before I get out of here, DPDO, online at dpdo.com for all the best deals and prices 
Order online at dpdo.com. State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com for life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it. Brian is my guy, and he can be your guy as well at brianismyguy.com. Also, got to thank Dogtown Heating Air and Plumbing, 217-841-4728. Schedule your furnace check today with Dogtown Heating Air and Plumbing, your home's best friend. And finally, Owen Builders, LLC, online at owenbuildersllc.com for indoor and outdoor home additions and projects. That's owenbuildersllc.com. Champagne Showers Podcast Network, appreciate them. If you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, that is a big help as well. We will see you all in a week, and we'll also see you next Friday, October 20th, at Poor Brothers Craft Tap Room in downtown Champaign from 6 to 7. Enjoy the Maryland game if you can. I will be enjoying sunny, dry Las Vegas, U2 at the Sphere, Grand Canyon, Losing a little bit of money on the casino floor. That's okay. What the hell? I'm, I'm excited to see experience, I should say, Las Vegas for the first time. Talk to you soon, everybody. It is the 200 level.